attachments, spiritual connections. What does it mean when a spirit communicates with us in an affecting way? People are so fearful of the word attachment, so fearful of something following them home. Yet for most, it doesn't stop them from going into the twilight zone realm of the supernatural. As a matter of fact, sometimes the idea excites people, entices them into the realm of possibilities. Tonight, we're going to talk about a very interesting attachment, one that our guest Shannon Collins dealt with personally, and we'll find out how it affected her. And then, a little later on in the program, Chad Lewis, author, researcher, good friend of the show, will join us as we talk about the Beast of Bray Road in honor of our friend, Linda Godfrey. She is a researcher, paranormal investigator, and friend of the show for a long time who passed away this weekend. We'll be reminiscing about her and her work and debating the fact, is there a werewolf in Wisconsin? There's more of that coming right here on the best of paranormal podcasting. I'm Dave Schrader, and this is the Paranormal 60. I'm not gonna stand here and listen to this baloney. He won't know. He doesn't stand for baloney. Hello, my little darklings. Thank you for joining me here. Episode 90. We've made it 90 episodes together in this new venture, this new home for the best in paranormal podcasting, the Paranormal 60. I want to thank you all for making this possible, for coming along with me on the ride and continuing to love and support me. I love the comments that you've been making on social media, on the YouTube channel, and on any of the different podcast sources that allow ratings and reviews. I know there are quite a few of you who've gone to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and you've made uh, a rating. You've given it five stars, four stars, wherever you feel the show lands in your interest level. But if more of you could just take a few seconds to write a little bit about what you like about the show, <coughs> that would mean a lot to me. Uh, that also gives me some insights into aspects of the show that you like, what elements you'd like to hear and hear more of. So please consider rating and reviewing the programs wherever you can, because Dave is listening. He's watching. He's always watching. I do want to address something really quickly here. Uh, I am one of the few paranormal personalities that does not have a blue check mark on my name on most of the social media sites out there. And I get contacted uh, quite a bit asking if this is truly me. Um, usually the best bet to find out if it really is me is look at my, my length of time on that social media thread. If I've been on Twitter for 12 years, Facebook for 15 years, Instagram for what I think going on two years now, and I haven't been yanked off and people in, and I are responding to one another and I'm speaking in non-broken English, probably a safe bet it's me. Um, if you are getting private messages that say, hey, beauty, me, I'm a big fan of you are beautiful. Let's be friends. Probably not me. Probably. I mean, there are those nights when 
when maybe one too many shots of NyQuil before bed might kick in and I start NyQuil texting. I'm not sure. But for the most part, that's not me, as it is with most of the paranormal personalities. If you think you were carrying on a love tryst online with Zach Baggins, Nick Groth, Jason Hawes, Chris Fleming, probably not them. Most likely not them. I'm going to say 100% not them. And if they're telling you that they're using a private account, that should set off bells. Most, most of us don't need to have time for our public accounts. So these private ones, a lot of people are being fleeced for money. Uh, paranormal personalities strike up a conversation, a friendship, and then start tapping you for cash. None of the people in our field should need cash to the point where they're begging you for money or trying to get you to pay for their airfare to something, and they're going to send you money as soon as their next big check clears. This is just a little PSA from your pal Dave here. I worry about you guys <laughs> because, damn it, somebody has to. But uh, I some some people get very upset. I've tried my best in those accounts. I'll send sometimes a very small clip video of myself addressing them and saying, hey, Shannon, it's really me. It's Dave. Thank you for caring enough to worry, but this is me. And then um, that doesn't open a dialogue for you to continually call me on social media. <laughs> so please, you know, give the paranormal personalities um, some time to themselves. And I apologize. My voice is going to be acting weird tonight because I still have this ridiculous cough. I cannot get rid of it. It apparently finds me very attractive and refuses to leave me. So I'm going to try to find a way to break up with it eventually. And if there are any holistic healers out there, uh, any energy practitioners, put your hands on the screen, lay your hands on me in Bon Jovi words, and heal this throat because I can't take it much longer. It's driving me nuts. All right. I see our guest is finally in the green room. She's popped on. We're going to talk with her now. We have Shannon Michelle Collins joining us. Shannon, Hi. thank you for being here. Hi, thank you for having me here. Yeah, now this is interesting. You've got uh, quite a story to share. Um, I, I talked at the beginning about the concept of attachments. Many people are terrified. Dave, if I go on one of your events, am I going to get an attachment? Uh, <laughs> Dave, are you afraid of attachments? Do things ever attach themselves to you and you bring them home? And in this case, you are, you've dealt with an attachment in a very unique yeah. way. So bring us to the point, if you would, of explaining how exactly did you come into contact with this spirit? Well, um, my paranormal group, Long Island Paranormal Investigators, was doing an event at a place in Southampton on Long Island. And um, I had felt a female spirit there. And I was meditating in the garden before we started our event to get in a good headspace. And I felt um, like I did something wrong. And then as the months went past, it, I feel like it was slowly attaching to me. And the timing and conditions must have been just right. I accidentally said, you know, um, you know, show me what happened to you. And I think that invited it to literally show me what happened to her. So, um, but, but you'd left that site and you still felt that this being had attached you from that one moment and, and was still a part of you. Right. Um, when I left the site, I didn't leave voluntarily. I was pulled out by my group because they freaked out because I've not channeled, I've channeled like that before, but not to that extent. And, uh, they didn't know what to do. There was two brand new members and one senior member there. And they called their founder of a group cause they were just up the road at another location to come. Um, so they just wanted me outside cause they were afraid that I was going to hurt myself. Cause I kept trying to go to the top floor. Um, 
and in the top floor there is a chimney and there's a decent gap between the floor and the chimney so they for some reason thought i was going to jump into the chimney i don't think that was my plan but i guess better safe than sorry so they put right. me out yeah. All right. So maybe I missed something there when you said you went, you meditated in the garden beforehand and inadvertently attached to this thing. And, and then it, it stretched out over a period of months. I guess I thought that it adhered later, but it actually made itself known to you that night. And right. you said you channeled. Now explain for some of our listeners, they don't really understand the different aspects of uh, mediumship. When you channel something, what does that mean? So basically, a uh, spirit is using you to communicate. They're using your body, your words, your voice, or like automatic writing. They're using your body to write it out. So um, that's what channeling is. It's allowing the spirit to use you as basically a conduit to uh, a host, maybe. For is this something that when you are talking to the spirit, trying to make communication, is it something you need to invite? Because that's something I know a lot of people are concerned about if they if they have mediumistic abilities was there something you specifically said was it that one line show me or or show me what happened to you was I, that I, was that it i believe that was the moment uh because that's right i went right out um from there um i do believe that it was a few months occurring like i said so i think that again it was just the conditions were right because every time i was going there i was opening myself up um i wasn't going there to channel but i was trying to figure out what happened because we felt i i felt that there was um a woman had been murdered on the property many many years ago and that's who i thought that i was connecting with so i was trying to figure out okay maybe she's not laid to rest because maybe they don't know exactly what happened to her um but it was a completely different situation. So I was led to believe that this was, you know, this man's wife and for reasons being because she wanted to be, I guess. So she was definitely obsessed. But um, so all of that kind of flooded in. I left there that day. This not the same person as I arrived. I was completely different. I still am. <laughs> all right. When you say you're completely different, um, what does that, what does that mean? And I, I know it might be hard to put into words, but is it because you shared a space in a sense you became part of a quantum entanglement with this other soul with this other spirit um i believe so i mean my my appearance has changed uh had changed drastically afterwards my attitude had changed um i believe it's because in that moment um i wasn't expecting it but i was flooded with all of her emotions all of like not all of her memories at once but memories of of what she lived through and experienced and i felt like it was a lot so i kind of um i wasn't myself for a few days i, I remember um bits and pieces of it um i remember just standing and staring in the mirror because i was trying to figure out who i was um and she showed me herself with no nose and i think that's how i figured out i started to put the pieces together of how it how, who she was when you feel this, do you believe that this is a walk-in situation where a spirit is sharing your body and, and has become one with you? I think for now, yeah. So how long ago did this happen to you? Uh, October 26, 2019. Okay, so it's been a considerable amount of time. This wasn't just like this last month that for Halloween you went in and and investigated and you've, you've got this so you feel that she has been connected and attached to you for what's yeah. going on three years here yeah um 
does it ever does it ever worry you that her obsession, her want and desire to live and her obsession with this man she couldn't have will impact and affect you in a negative way in this lifetime? I think it has already. Um, it's, it's done a lot, um, with personal relationships that I had, I don't have anymore. Um, the kind of relationships that I had with the people that I cared about before have changed drastically. I've become more cold, I feel, but I think that, um, at the same time, I'm, I'm almost afraid for her to, to leave because I don't know how I'll feel once it's gone. You know, I don't know who I, I am anymore. I've kind of just become something else you've become a hybridization of this soul yeah of this spirit. her and me and we kind of just i know that she gets uh i feel like she is very tense uh she gets i i say she gets protective of me mm -hmm. so if she feels like somebody's like coming at me or anything like that i get very like okay we're done here and i'm cold and i just cut them off because i feel like that's just how her personality was very you know this is how it needs to be so. Well, if, if she died in an <clears throat> upsetting way, uh, that might make sense as well, right? For her to be overly protective uh, right. because her, she wants this new physical form to uh, maybe live the life she did not. Uh, in, in having this attachment to this possession, if you will, uh, having it affect your relationships, if you take a bigger scope look at this, do you see that, you know, maybe she did me a favor. Some of these people were outliers all the time. They were people that may have not had my best interest in mind. And really, maybe she's she's shearing off the people I've never had the guts to do myself. I think so. I think so. Okay. Um, it's like, it's hard to explain um, the changes exactly. I guess you would have to meet me before and then now, but... Um, I do feel like that's a part of it. She's definitely trying to live the life she didn't have and she won't put up with anything that is going to hinder that. Do you, as you're talking to Dave Schrader right now on the paranormal 60 and I'm, I'm addressing Shannon, do you feel her or hear her trying to speak or keep you from saying things? So, um, I feel at times. Yeah. Um, right now i'm having a little bit of a hard time talking about it i don't know why and it was odd because i did have difficulties um getting signed in today too so um and we're getting a strange audio artifact i will tell uh, i don't know if you're hearing it it's oh this no weird I'm, kind of I'm chirping not. it's this weird kind of that's going on from oh, your I end don't. i've muted mine repeatedly to make sure that it wasn't something from my side Again, sorry, it could just be a it. bad microphone. No, that's fine. It could, you know, everybody's like, Dave, that doesn't mean it's a ghost. And you're right, <laughs> it doesn't. But but it is weird. She was having a lot of trouble getting in to the uh, program tonight. And now we've got this chittering in the I've background definitely... while she's trying to tell her story. <laughs> I've been having a lot of weird occurrences um, with it. There was another podcast I did, and the gentleman started reading one of my poems from the bottom up. And he didn't realize he was doing that. And in doing that, he reversed the meaning of the poem. Like it makes sense both ways, but in one way it's saying how, how horrible the man was that she was in love with. And in this way it was saying how great of a man he was in a sense. Um, he's 
comes around to the guy. And I feel like he's the one that's causes me the most difficulty talking about it more than her. Now you have a book. Uh, it's called a dream within a scream, a collection yes. of automatic writings from a spirit attachment. And we do have a link for your book and for your site on tonight's program guide. So people that are listening to us or watching us live on YouTube uh, or listening to us in the archives uh, the next day, there are links there so you can find the book. So this spirit has effectively uh, written itself out in poems and, and essay form to you to share with the world. So um, I used to write poetry and I, and I didn't understand why it was coming through as poetry. And when I did research on the gentleman, um, cause I was trying to figure out who she was. So I was trying to look at who, who was he? Cause it was driving me nuts. I don't normally do that as a sensitive. I usually just give my information and then I get validation from whoever this time I needed to find out for myself. So, um, I dug into a lot of the history and I found out that he was really into poetry. So his family inscription was from the um, book of Horace. So I was like, okay, well, maybe that's the connection to why it's written. Maybe she's trying to connect to him and be like, this is what you did to me. You know, I don't, I don't know what it is, but it comes out as poetry. So it's an unhealthy relationship in death as it was in life. Then she's, she's almost this push and pull of, she is still obsessing over this man and doesn't seem to want to let go, but she's now found you and has kind of glommed on to you to, to live through. Ah, uh, yeah. Carl Sorry, Johnson, obviously. No, that's <laughs> fine. And, and under, do you know a name for her yet? I certainly don't want she to. She won't give me her name. Um, <clears throat> okay. I don't know. Do they forget sometimes? I don't know if that's a thing. It's been so long. Maybe she can't remember who she was without him or, uh, See, get nervous when they won't give me their name, but I'm hoping that it's right. a human spirit. Well, <laughs> certainly because we've known through time yeah. um, that, you know, the demonic realm will not give right. you a name because it's harder to exercise them without having that name. It gives you I a know. certain authority. So that's why I'm um, like hoping maybe she forgot. And I know you mentioned Carl Johnson. I love him. He's a great person. Right. Has Sorry, he done, that. has he done anything? Obviously he's worked in the field of demonology and, and lay exorcisms and such. Has he ever tried to help excise this female spirit from you? We've actually just been discussing like different aspects of it. Um, I've seen him at a few of the different conventions. I was um, a guest at Warren's con, uh, Warren's power con. He was a guest there too. So we caught up there after a few years of not seeing each other. And then I saw him again at another convention and um We've been messaging back and forth. I think he's definitely willing to help me, but he's not pushing it, um, which I really appreciate because some people have been pushing it, um, and I'm not ready for that yet. Do you? Would you be more open to talking to a hypnotherapist to see if if they could communicate with this other being, and yeah. and try to make headway that way? Is that something you have done already? Uh, I actually have a client. I do hair. I'm a barber. Um, and a hairstylist. So I have one of my clients who does that kind of stuff and uh, past life regressions and all that other stuff. Um, so uh, he was definitely interested in helping me. We just haven't set up a time yet. Would I would love for you to follow up with us on that, Shannon, and let us know uh, if you're able to, to uh, figure that aspect out. And if you have trouble finding somebody that is reliable, trustworthy, I'd be more than happy to help connect you to some people and see if we can't get you an answer. I would appreciate that. Um, one of our listeners, Bear, pops up with an interesting question. No judgment, but why are you allowing a spirit to stay attached? 
that's a, actually a good question that I'm sure a lot of people wonder. Um, so when it first attached to me, we couldn't figure out how to get rid of it. Uh, I guess a part of me, uh, I, I was going through a lot at the time. And so um, when it had attached to me, I was in a weakened state of mind. Um, so uh, I didn't have the strength, I think. And so I couldn't rid it. Uh, we tried a bunch of different techniques, a bunch of different people have tried. And it just, it would almost uh, backfire against me when it would happen. Um, so I kind of just got used to it. And as I said earlier, at this point, if she left, who am I? Who am I? I I'm Shannon by name. But then I feel like I'd be empty inside. You know, it's been long enough to where I feel like I've become a part of like Dave said, uh, a hybrid. So I, of the two souls. So I don't really know. Um, that's, I guess my answer. I'm not sure. All right. Again, and I understand the concern people have and some pushing you because if, you know, somebody that loves you and cares about you as a friend of yours, listen, I've just met you. We've just had a chance to chat here. Uh, I've already got concern for your well-being and safety, right? So I can understand other people pushing to try to get this out because it, it this does sound like many indicators of demonic possession and especially this uh, fulfilling nature of making you feel broken without it. Like you will be nothing without its presence there. Um, <clears throat> so I know that you're in the throes of this right now. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, and and decision-making may be a little harder. So I want our audience to understand that um, it's not a, a, this isn't a simple, well, don't be dumb. Just get rid of it. Go you know, dunk your head in holy water and get rid of the ghost. That's not how this goes. Uh, the the <clears throat> vessel, Shannon has to be willing and this being has intertwined with her, if you will. And uh, obviously for a reason, you said that you were in an I don't want, I'll paraphrase more of an unstable mindset at the moment that you invited this spirit in. Yeah. Do you believe that that's what attracted her to you is because she is also a fractured element of her personality? I think that, uh, absolutely. Um, some people have mentioned that potentially it could have been like a past life situation. I don't know about that. Um, whole thing, but I do feel that she recognized a part of her vulnerability in mine. Stuart Quinn says prayers and love and light to you, Shannon, as many of the other Thank people you. in our chat room are, are saying, uh, it'll take some time, but I think once you're gone, you will be happy, Shannon. And, you know, again, we're hoping that that is the case that, that, that will come forward. Now you, I don't know how forthcoming you feel being with me, a relative stranger on an open forum with listeners around the world, but do the voices, uh, does the other personality ever um, speak darkly to you? Does it try yeah. to convince you to hurt yourself or others? I've had moments. Um, yes. And I feel like it's what she experienced, but I don't feel as if it's pushing me to do that. I feel like at that point she was trying to explain to me what happened. I do have dark moments. I just had a conversation with my sister. I don't know if it was today or yesterday. I can't, I, I don't know what, what day it was, but, um, it's been hard. I've been going through a lot, but you know, it is what it is. Just try to get through each day and be positive, you know, best I can. Mm -hmm. Certainly. And th that shows the true danger uh, of the work that we do in the paranormal field. A lot of people are into this for the 
fun and the thrills and the scares, mm-hmm. but there is a real danger. And if you are somebody who's sensitive and open and maybe not in a completely mentally stable place, and that's not saying that you were broken or, or, but listen, I've told many people, you can't just go to an investigation. If you've had a fight with a re- relative, uh, you know, pissed off at your boss, you're in a bad mental mood and you go to a haunted location, you're bringing all that ick with you. <clears throat> that's commanding part of who you are. And that can leave you vulnerable. So I always tell people, if you're not in the right mindset, you shouldn't be there. This is a perfect example of that. Um, Does this spirit help you communicate more clearly with other spirits since you have already had this gift? When it first happened, uh, it was insane. Um, It's, I feel like I'm blocked but I'm not. It's just the the way that I get my stuff now has changed. So where I used to really, I would feel it in a certain way. I would feel it in my nose. I would get like pressure in here. Um, it just comes so naturally now that I almost feel like it's just not uh, my, it, it like gets my own thought. Like I'm making it up. You know what I mean? Um, but I guess I've had validation since, so I'm not sure understandable geez now you're saying that now i'm sitting here going my throat's all junked up i haven't been able to breathe right and i've got a demon be gone demon be gone um and i'm hoping that's uh, certainly not the situation here uh what warnings would you give to people that enter the fray of the paranormal and seek to commune with spirits and 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 open themselves in a way you do with automatic writing and mediumistic and channeling, uh, what, what would be your, I guess, uh, cautions to, to people that are new to the field or maybe even that are in the field for a while and have been lucky enough to not have something like this happen? Yeah. Um, well, I would definitely suggest to, um, be in a good mindset. <laughs> um, when you're doing this, do it for the right reasons. Um, try to connect for positive reasons and not, you know, anything dark. Um, if I felt like I knew this situation, but in the paranormal field, you really never know uh, who you're communicating with. So keep that in mind. I feel like maybe you should have other people around that can protect you if needed, help you rid yourself in that moment or cleanse yourself in the moment afterwards. Um, I don't normally suggest automatic writing to people who haven't had too much experience with it doing it on their own. Um, it's not something that I I look to do. It's something that just happens to me naturally. Like she'll just come on with it and I'm like, okay, let me get this out for her. You know, I most of my stuff is just in my phone notes because it happens like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely... It's hard to say. I mean, if you're doing it for just fun and games, it's not the thing to do. If you want to do that, then go on a ghost tour um, and then go somewhere afterwards and bless yourself. Um, But if you're doing it (laughs) for research reasons, you know, you know what you're getting into. So make sure you're not doing it alone, that you have a team with you and um, or, you know, just two or three people, just somebody that can protect you and watch over you and that knows if you're going in the wrong direction, how to maybe pull you out. Shannon, uh, this is going to be kind of a strange um, question. This whole conversation is strange, I'm sure, for many people. <laughs> the the poetry that you're writing seems to be a yin to the yang of what the spirit seems to be. Do you think that the poetry that's coming out is more of Shannon trying to 
regain control of her humanity as opposed to the spirit using you to effectively write? I don't think so. Um, cause I have a different style of writing than what comes out when she does, when it comes out from her. Um, when I'm writing a poem myself, I can't just write it in five minutes. I have to like, I'll start it and then I'll come back to it. And then I'll, you know, um, when this stuff is coming out, it's, it's literally like five minutes, um, maybe 10 mm -hmm. at most if I get distracted. But, um, um, would you be willing to share one of your poems? Um, do you, do, do you have them specifically aligned? One is a poem you've written. One is a poem that the spirit has written. Do you separate um, them that way or in, in my book, it's just the automatic writings. I do okay. have poems that I have written that I can um, send you after. I don't have them accessible right now. Sure, that's fine. Um, if you wanted to compare them. Um, now, the book, again, is called A Dream Within a Scream. We have a link yeah. for that book on today's program guide. But uh, could you could you choose one of your uh, favorite poems maybe that speaks to you? Yes. Okay, this one's kind of, uh, I've not shared this one on a public forum. So it's a little, it's very dark, but um, okay. Here I am inches from the ground, swaying back and forth, but not even a sound. I wonder how long until I will be found, leaving me here left me to drown. I left on my own or love perished ungrown, falling deep into the abyss completely alone. You said you cared with all we shared. You were the only one who really knew me. We were so scared, scared of getting caught. It left you distraught. You had to get away. Scared of losing you, the moment you withdrew, I began to slowly decay. Rotted from the inside, it started with the heart, working its way through each and every part. Leaving me here with plenty of time to think. Can't move on, you're my missing link. I'm starting to sink. I'm stuck here forever because you won't let me go, yet you don't want me, we already know. Afraid to, for me to move on and be happy without you. Afraid because I said it would always be true, but I'm through. I can't keep going much longer trying to make you see how much I cared. Um and how much you meant to me with all we shared. It impacts you as you read it as though it's your feelings as well, doesn't it? Yeah. Because I feel like I have felt what she felt. I have seen, you know, I, it's like my own memories, right? So I feel like I lived this life. And so that's kind of hard to just separate it when I'm doing it. For a lot of people, this may sound hard to understand, hard to swallow. And although, you know, I, I had a very similar situation, um, not with an attachment, but in a dark period of my life that I've been very open with as a teenager, I attempted suicide. Thankfully, the gun did not work on two, two attempts. And um, I found solace in the music of, of Bruce Springsteen, actually one of his pop tunes that, you know, was populated on the air in, in the eighties. And what drew me out of the darkness and out of my shell was realizing that I, I wasn't alone in this feeling. It was like he was singing part of my own life. And that helped me realize that if somebody else had felt like this, I wasn't so alone. If somebody else had felt like this and had made it, then I can make it. I could utilize that same um, stepping stone of just, you can face the darkness and move beyond it. And that was empowering to me. The song was Dancing in the Dark, which again is a very relevant title, right? I love that <clears> song. <throat> I was, I yeah. knew you were going to say that. Sorry. 
And uh, no, no need to apologize. Yeah. That that song lifted me out of a horribly dark place and has always been my go-to in that music. So it's interesting that your poetry, you feel that these words written from her are touching an aspect of you, this element. Uh, just as a curiosity, Shannon, have you ever considered the fact that this isn't really a separate personality, a separate spirit? Uh, maybe this is your spirit? Shan is, is the updated reincarnated version of this, but you've just come into contact with that fractal, that fractured element of who you were at that point in history. And the reason that you'd felt this way before that was because that was always the piece you were missing from a past life. I've never thought of it that way. I mean, that's a really deep question. I've not thought of it that way. Um, I have thought that I was completely insane um, I have wondered no. if that was the case, but, uh, if not, you know, looked that deep into it, I think. It's, it just fascinates me because we do draw things to us, the law of attraction. And if you're in a place and many of us feel attuned, you know, I can tell you, I not a fan of the ocean. I'm not a fan of <laughs> the outdoors, <laughs> but I, you know, the queen Mary felt like a second home to me. Like I'd been there before. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> that I'd walked its halls during its heyday, that there was something to it and reincarnation or what. But if there's that moment, am I brushing up, up, upon parts of who I was in a past lifetime? Is that why many of us feel an affinity towards certain things that we can't explain? So again, just something to consider maybe by then accepting that it might help you as well so that we don't have to fix and separate. We need to learn to integrate and have that mm -hmm. spirit <clears throat> which feels like a janky puzzle piece trying to fit into something where it doesn't belong. Maybe it's just, it's the reabsorption. Uh, I don't know. I, I don't have the answers. I'm not that guy. I'm not that sensitive that that can tap into that. But I think, you know, something about that speaks to me that that element of camaraderie with the spirit realm you seem to have with this one spirit and why you feel so determined to hold on to it because it may be you. Wow. That's heavy Just stuff. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's, it's a better thought, right? Than feeling like you're out of power, that you're a puppet and something right. else is controlling you. I mean, I don't know. I, and I don't, there's probably an element of danger in me even suggesting that because then if this thing does have ill intent, I'm trying to convince you to just uh, accept it. But I think through love, a lot of these spirits can be healed as well. And that's right. what our prayers and thoughts will be for you. Um, again, we'll have a copy of the link for your book and for your website, and I wish you a lot of success. I didn't get a chance to introduce you properly at the beginning of the show, so I will make a mention. Shannon Michelle Collins is an award-winning psychic, poet, and model who resides on Long Island, New York. She works with the Long Island Paranormal Investigators, who are longtime friends of mine and have been at many of the events in the past. Um, they've been seen on Sci-Fi's My Ghost Story and Travel Channel's Most Terrifying Places in America. And she has been writing poetry since a very early age. These things have called you together for a reason, Shannon, and we just pray that it is for a good reason and that that both of you and both of your souls find peace eventually. Thank you. That means a lot. Thank you very much for coming on and being with us this Thank evening. Thank you we for appreciate having it. me. Thank you All for right. having me. All right. And keep me. in touch as, as things progress. And I just want to put this out to you, to you now. Um, <clears throat> not just a radio guy to a, a guest. If you ever are in a dark place, Give me a call. 
anytime, day or night, give me a call, reach out and I'll just listen. Um, no judgment, no trying to fix, but sometimes just having another anchor and outside source to, to talk and bounce things off of might help. So just know that you're never really alone in this. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. That means a lot to me. It really does. Well, thank you. Be safe and keep in touch. Okay. Okay. You too. Carl Johnson. I know you're watching out there because <laughs> you love this girl. You take care of her and you make sure that everything goes right and say hi to Michael for us. All right. Will do. Thank you, Shanna. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Fascinating. Uh, it shows just how vulnerable we truly are in the field of the paranormal, entering into these interests and obsessions of our own. It says that prayer can work for people that don't even know that they're being prayed for. And Shannon is gone. But I'd just like to call upon all of you, right? My army of darkness, as I've called you through the years, my little darklings, I'd love for you that whatever belief system you have, whatever positive energy you have, to send it her way to help her with her trials and tribulations that she's going through, to give her strength and wisdom. And that uh, whatever God you ascribe to, whatever belief system that you're a part of, that you call upon that higher good to help this woman because she is in need. You can see it in her eyes and hear it in her voice. And she is uh, she needs uh, support and love, not judgment and not finger pointing. So I just pray that she is surrounded in holy light, that anything negative and evil is bound in a thorny hedge and kept from her at a distance, and that if this is just a piece of who she is, that it finds its way to integrate back into herself safely, purely, and cleanly. And we just ask that all of you energy workers out there, prayer warriors, set forth some good intention for our friend. All right? Thank you very much. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we've got one of my absolute favorite guests that's going to join me. Uh, we're going to talk about a fallen friend, uh, Linda Godfrey and the Beast of Bray Road. We'll do that when we return. You're listening to the very best in paranormal podcasting. I'm Dave Schrader, and this is the Paranormal 60. Today's episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. What's the first thing that you'd do if, say, you had an extra hour in your day? Would you go for a run? Maybe take a nap, read a book, or just show up for a friend? A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're like me, you think, I can get through a lot. And we can. We're a resilient species. However, there are times that we need to reach out that hand and get a little help from somewhere else. That's what I did with BetterHelp. When I reached that limit and I realized things were getting a little bit out of control, instead of taking it out on my family or taking it out on myself, I just decided to reach out and get the help that I deserve. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and it's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy, my darklings. Get BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com P60. Do that today. You're going to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com P60. 
It's time to take control of your life. Dave's here rooting you on, and if I can do this, you can do this. Let's do this together. BetterHelp.com slash P60. There's a link for it on today's program guide. Hey, my Californian friends. Come join me the weekend of January 13th through the 15th at the Fear Fair. Paranormal music, mayhem, and a weekend of -of out-of-this-world entertainment awaits. Plus, I'm giving out free hugs. And we're nearing sellout for our Back Behinds... uh, Back Behind Bars event with Shane Pittman and myself at Joliet State Prison. I would love for you to join us there. There are very few tickets that remain for the VIP or one-day tickets for either Friday or Saturday. If you're waiting, don't wait any longer. These would make great gift items, and uh, you could take your loved ones, your friends, your family, coworkers. Go on out. Maybe send your worst enemy because you're so tired of them. You hope that they get possessed and dragged to the, the burrowy pits of hell. There is not one at Joliet State Prison, but maybe that's your intention. Anyway, you can find more uh, information about that by simply visiting darknessevents.com. That's darknessevents.com. And one other thing that's exciting, dark supernatural trails of Germany and Prague. If you've been looking for the trip of a lifetime and you want to get out, Egypt maybe wasn't your cup of tea. You missed out on Scotland and Ireland last year. Well, you can explore the most enigmatic landscapes only found in Eastern Europe with me, Dave Schrader, as we journey to Germany and Prague. This is going to be an amazing uh, trip for you to go on. Paranormal stories, haunted locations, history, and you get to see this beauty for yourself. Tickets are on sale now. We're already half sold out and just dropped it a week ago. If you're interested, go check out darknessevents.com, darknessevents.com. Dot com and come on out and join me. It's going to be an amazing time. We always have a great time. New friends, new family. We all build every time we go on one of these vacations, and I hope to see you there. All right, folks, let's get to it. Uh, again, one of my good friends, uh, a great researcher, author, Chad Lewis, thanks for being here with us this evening. Hey, greetings from Wisconsin. Now, I mentioned we we lost a good friend to the paranormal field and to us uh, Linda Godfrey passed away this weekend. Um, I have very limited information other than knowing and having it confirmed that she did pass away. Uh, Linda had been a staple at many of the paranormal conventions over the last 10 to 12 years. We've all grown to love her, and she was fantastic at storytelling and collecting of information and sharing it in many books. But she was the first to bring us the attention of the Beast of Bray Road. And that kind of became her hallmark. Uh, can you give us a little bit of information and insight on the Beast of Bray Road? So people that don't know about it, Chad, will have a little better understanding of this creature. Linda was working as a journalist in southeastern Wisconsin in a small town called Elkhorn, about 10,000 people. And she started receiving reports in the early 1990s of people traveling down this small stretch of rural road. Little, little around four miles of this road, and they were seeing, for a lack of a better term, a werewolf. And some of the witnesses turned Linda on to the local county animal department. And when she went to interview this gentleman, you know, the DNR gentleman, he had it pulled out a file uh, labeled werewolf. Like it was straight out of the X-Files, you know, let you smolder and scully pull in. Right. And so Linda just went with this and started digging as she was a journalist and started digging and found that people were seeing, again, for a lack of a better term, this large biped 
with, uh, you know, six to eight feet tall with this muzzle, a long, dark matted down fur. It was running upright on its hind legs. Sometimes it was eating roadkill or freshly killed prey on the side of the road. And Linda really became attached to that legend. And there's no other legend that someone's attached to like Linda is with the Beast of Bray Road. I mean, maybe John Keel and the Mothman, but well, outside Patterson of- and Gimlin and Bigfoot, yeah. right? So those are your three biggies. Exactly. And she'll go down forever. But a lot of people don't realize that although that was her passion in the early days, she was interested and wrote about UFOs, crop circles, ghosts, uh, weird roadside attractions for her weird series that she participated in. So she was an all around 14, although she's mainly respected and loved in the uh, cryptozoology field. Let me share, if it's okay with you, uh, two years ago, three years ago, just before COVID shut down everything, uh, she was at the Michigan Paracon, and I had a chance to uh, go around. I was talking to many of the different uh, paranormal personalities there and asking them to give me some stories. And I had asked her, I said, you know, going out looking for these creatures, do you ever have any other kind of uh, activity? And she was, yeah, do you want me to tell you the story? And I said, yes, I do. This is Linda Godfrey's story from Linda Godfrey. Now, you've had a chance to hear a lot of these stories of strange beast encounters. Now, have you ever had something anomalous happen to you while doing an investigation? I've had tons of anomalous things happen to me. Probably the most frightening happened about two years ago in Hayfield next to Bray Road, home of the infamous Bray Road Beast, when two colleagues, Lee Hample and Sanjay Singhal and I were doing a stakeout watching a maggoty deer carcass waiting to see what might come and eat it. And from across the field, we thought it was an airplane at first, but I saw the airplane stop in mid-flight. And I said, guys, that's no airplane. And as we all watched, horrified, it came in a straight V-line straight for our car. It stopped 30 feet from the, uh, the car in the air and, and on the ground. It was just hovering there. We were all pretty alarmed. And just as I raised my camera to take the picture, my friend Sanjay picked up a big mag light, shone it on this thing. And we all had the feeling that it was surprised, and it just sort of flipped in on itself. It's really hard to explain. It was a sphere of a lighted sphere about the size of a basketball. And one of the gentlemen has a degree in physics and math, a master's, and he was yelling, that can't happen in physics. You know, it, it was just crazy. But we all three saw the same thing, the same size, at the same time. So you can't put it off on hysteria or hallucination or anything else. I know that thing was there. I'm still trying to figure it out. Great to hear a different kind of story from uh, Linda. And uh, one of those kind of weird moments as I was going through my videos on my phone and I had that one, I wanted to make sure we had a chance to share it in honor of of Linda. She was an amazing storyteller and researcher. Man, she would get into the detail of these passions of hers. Now, you've lived in Wisconsin, Chad, obviously, um, have heard these stories, these tales. What do you think is going on with the Beast of Bray Road? Is this truly a... a seven to eight foot tall bipedal wolf man or is this something more of native american lore a, a being that takes the form of an animal or is it mass hallucination is it misunderstanding uh something in natural you know a large timber wolf that may just be mangy and or you know what's your thoughts 
I think I follow right behind where Linda was at in the last years of her research as she became more and more convinced that it wasn't a flesh and blood animal like a moose or a bear, or at least it wasn't 100% of the time, that there were too many other anomalies happening that for it to be just some unknown species of animal that we haven't found yet. And Bray Road and many of the other places where it's been spotted, you know, it's not large enough. It's heavily uh, wooded and there's some uh, fields, but yet there's a good population there. There's not this boundless amount of acreage where it could hide. And so many people have had weird things happen that it's pointing me in the same direction where don't know what it is, but I'm I'm leaning more toward it's not something that's there that, you know, hibernating or that you could find year round that there's something more supernatural to it. And she was convinced that there were portals in that area or vortexes of this thing coming and going and not just that, but other things as well. So I tend to follow in her footsteps there of leaning toward that direction. The Native American indigenous tribes have talked about skinwalkers being this kind of um, ability for the shamans or the witch, whatever the, the terminology would be used of the tribe to be able to be imbued with the powers of the animals. Um, you know, I, I took an amazing ayahuasca journey a couple of years ago, Chad, and had an opportunity during this. I started... Um, for lack of a better term, melding with the animals. I would suddenly I'm in flight and I could see through the eyes of the hawk as I'm flying through the skies. I could feel the wind brushing past my face and through my feathers. I, it was it was so bizarre. And Cindy Kaza was there with me. She was kind of one of my managers watching over me during this. But she said I had this wingspan out with my arms, the tips of my fingers fluttering as though the wind were blowing me. And, and I could feel it and sense it. And then all of a sudden I'd tumble into... I'm a wolf running through the woods and I could see and smell the smells were so strong and powerful. And it just makes me wonder how connected we truly are to the realms around us. And when I kept trying to pigeonhole it, I kept saying, Oh, it's my totem. I'm the hawk. No, no, I'm, I'm the wolf. Oh, I must be the bear. There was this voice that almost seemed to be getting irritated with me. It's like, no, no, you're all of it. Dummy. Mm. It's just like, we're, we're part of all of this. I, I've often wondered if it's not more of a connection with the animal realm, um, us inhabiting them, using them like a familiar in witchcraft where the the animal is part of us and, and somebody has figured a way to tap into this element. You've done a lot of research into Native American cultures and, and belief systems. Is that something that they truly do believe or is this something that Hollywood has bastardized? I think for a lot of tribes, and there are so many varying views, is that you know there used to be the old belief where if you'd wear the skin of the animal, you became the animal or you were partnered mm -hmm. with the animal. A couple years back, Linda released a map of the Midwest of a lot of her dogman or werewolf sightings overlapped on effigy mounds, the old sacred burial grounds often raised up in the shape of an animal by the indigenous people that are gone. Um, best viewed from the sky. And it was amazing the overlap of where these things took place, uh, sightings versus sacred areas. So the idea that they would be around either protecting or enjoying or 
whatever else on these sacred areas is really fascinating. And I think one of the hallmarks of Linda was that she was able to get people to open up to her. Like I've never seen any other researcher. I've done, you know, 15 years of conferences in a row with Linda in my hometown of Eau Claire. Um, and I was amazed at how many people would come up to her and say, I haven't told this story in 30 years. I didn't think anyone would believe me. She just was able to get this rapport with people. And that was the same with the indigenous tribes here in the Midwest, where a lot of different tribes and cultures do not like speaking to outsiders, not knowing your intention. But she was able to gather their trust and uh, get these stories and get people working with her. And which is amazing because the, the interview you showed with her, if your viewers are not familiar with her, you know, she's very soft-spoken. She was very soft-spoken, very slight. You know, she didn't have a, a nickname, a gimmick, a costume uh, that a lot of these researchers have today. You know, if you passed her in the hallway, you'd think, oh, that looks like my old English teacher, you know, because she was right. a teacher. And <laughs> right. she always said, And but I can tell you, Dave, um, so we'd have these conferences in Eau Claire every year in October. And hundreds of people would gather, and Linda was always our star speaker. And um, it would be loud through every speaker. But when Linda came up, being that she was so soft-spoken, the room was just like dead quiet, listening to everything. And this goes back to a time when we were still using overhead projectors. You know, 20-some years ago, she put <laughs> her plastic slide of a witness drawing and people would gasp in the audience, you know, pre-internet, pre-all that. But um, so, yeah, she was fascinated by the, the indigenous possibility of these things, whether they're, you know, skinwalkers, shapeshifters, tricksters, whatever else. She was into uh, investigating all of it. It makes me wonder too, in looking at this aspect, as you said, seeing all these sacred sites that were in and around the area, I have had a chance to sit down with a few friends that are Native American and, and uh, tribal people. And they're not completely comfortable giving me all the insights, but I've said, I, your people, are they really haunting burial grounds? That just seems so depressing to me. And I said, no, it's not our people. Our people have moved on to the next level. You know, they're, they're there. They're our ancestors are always a part of us, but they're, that's not them. That's our protectors. That's, you know, guardians. And why wouldn't it change shape to meld with whatever the atmosphere is in that area? And I, that just really spoke to me. I thought, oh, that's, that's interesting. So there could be a myriad of different explanations for this, but as we continue to think about it, talk about it, empower it, imbue it with our fascination to something else, start to take that form to something else, step in these tulpa thought form concepts that we've bandied about for so long. Is it a avatar that is taken by something else? Hmm. Interesting. There's a, a location up in northern uh, Michigan, Omar, the Omar Plains, smallest city in Michigan. And they believe that the sacred native burial grounds out in the Lover's Lane area are mm. protected by witchy wolves. That's what they call them. And by all accounts, they would be kind of a werewolf, but a lot of them are on four legs and they're almost spirit form. But over the years, they've changed from that where they seem to be uh, your typical wolf running about 
with supernatural powers through the more upright biped. So again, is it possible that just decade after decade of thought, belief, storytelling has changed these things? You know, and I bring this up quite a bit with the old Wendigo legends because the early Wendigo stories and literature never had antlers, never had horns. Yeah. And <laughs> and now today, your great glass there, I mean, that's how it's depicted with the antlers and horns. And it never was traditionally, but you wonder over 400 plus years, not only do the stories of these things change, but maybe they change as well, that they're still uh, evolving or changing. And maybe our belief systems have something to do with that. Hey, look, we have to change and adapt, right? What scared us in 1967 with George Romero's Night of the Living Dead, right? A kind of poorly acted, black and white, shoddily shot movie is one of the most terrifying movies. My dad was, that was one of the movies that frightened him and freaked him out as a, an adult male. Um, but then it moved to Halloween, Nightmare on Elm Street, Saw, hostile. Every iteration has to be a little scarier than the last, maybe because we've become so desensitized. These beings have to become more. They have to become more intimidating, larger than life to still have that effect and impact on us. I, you know, it's, it's an interesting element. Are they transmuting because of our desensitization, you know, de I can't even say the word right now, the being desensitized to what is scary, what is intimidating. Yeah. I like that. Uh, they're like pop stars reinventing themselves over and over every right. couple decades. Yeah. And it, it makes sense that again, it's a great point. What scared us back then doesn't scare us now. And people often thought of these things back in the old days as being something to respect but something of the natural world. You'd often hear of drumming circles of people saying they'd see Bigfoot right on the edge of where the darkness started, where just on the, the very edge of where they could be made out, but they knew they were there and they weren't feared necessarily. But today, all these things have become a, a scary, scary elements. And uh, I'm curious to see, knock on wood, 20, 30 years from now, what these things look like. I'm going to throw out another really weird element. I wish this is something I had thought of at one point and wanted to talk to Linda and then COVID rolled around three years passed. She didn't make it to the last couple of events. Um, now we know, I guess she was dealing with some illness and, and trying to keep safe and protected. Um, but I, I've thought, okay, what if um, it's a projection of whatever the animal is, depending on the, I don't want to say ego. I don't know what the right word would be for it, right? It's like your chihuahua is sometimes more vicious than your, you know, giant uh, uh, pit bull. You know, the pit bull is just all teeth and, and snarls till you open the door and then they want to, you know, they'll let you pet them to death, right? However, the chihuahua, this little miniature thing, comes off like a ferocious beast. And in its mind, I think it thinks it's a, a wolf, right? Um and and I've seen people's perspectives skewed in moments of stress. And if we're projecting, you know, here's kind of a weird throwback moment to high school. I had a friend named Phil Spazeri, and I've told the story, so I apologize for people that haven't heard it or have heard it before. But Phil was a little Italian guy, right? Uh, he kind of reminded me of a white prince, uh, the musician, right? Just the way he was built and he was well put together, good looking guy. 
And one day he was flirting with one of the cheerleaders and this big, big flipping football player comes down the hall and he's like, what are you doing? Are you talking to my girlfriend? And Phil just looks at him and goes, yeah. And he goes, she's my girlfriend. Get your own. And he goes, she's an adult. If she doesn't want to talk to me, she has free reign to just walk away. But it seems she's enjoying my company. And maybe if you stopped and actually talked to her and this guy just kind of was like befuddled and he goes, he goes, Jesus, you're a cocky little son of a bitch. He goes, uh, your ego is out of control. He goes, no, he goes, let me tell you something. Ever since I was a child, I was told how good looking I am, how talented I am, how good a singer and an artist I am, how amazing I am at gymnastics. I'm not conceited. I'm convinced. And he just projected this bigger than life image. And this guy backed down. Phil, Phil never raised a fist. He never raised his voice. But it was his calm, cool, collected nature. And this that that one line just dropped this guy spiritually to his knees. He goes, I'm not conceited. I'm convinced. And maybe if you were a little bit more convinced, you wouldn't have to worry that somebody like me could steal your girlfriend away. <laughs> and then he just turned on his heels and walked down the hall. And that was it. No blows were exchanged. Nothing ever happened after that. And then I was working as a bouncer at college at a, a, a bar in Winona, Minnesota. And I never got into fights. I was the guy that was friends with everybody. So we could always calm things down. One night things got out of control and I was trying to break things up and this big guy kept bothering and he was getting out of control. And I grabbed him by the front of the shirt and headbutted him and put him to his knees until the cops could get there. And when the cops finally got there, he was bleeding. I'd split open his forehead and he goes, uh, I want to press charges. And they go on who? And he goes, that, that big guy that came out here and hit me and I'm still holding his shirt. And I go, that was me. He goes, no, this guy was huge. Because in that moment, I was so pissed off at everything. Was I projecting a different image to this guy? Or was his ego so fragile that there's no way that Dave Schrader knocked him to his ground, you know, with his with a quick headbutt? Uh, did he have to did he have to think of something bigger? So it makes me wonder, are these creatures finding ways to adapt in a new world and a new environment where we're encroaching on their territory constantly? Are they finding a way to it's not humans. It's not the Native American tribes. It's not witchcraft. It's the animals finding a way to push forth a thought to give you the impression it's something much bigger, much scarier than it really is, so that we leave its feeding ground in that area alone. Now I want to find out what happened to that white prince guy. What happened in his life? You know, where did he end up? But to your question, yeah, and it and it I think it um bears out in the fact that you can have several witnesses who see different things. And right. you would think that they would and skeptics always say that if you have a group of four people in a car, they should all see the same thing. Otherwise, they're making it up, they're embellishing it. And the exact opposite seems to be true that they're seeing different things. So Maybe these things, like you just said, with the great story, are projecting different to different people. What scares you might not scare me, or vice right. versa. So, yeah, I love that that theory and that idea. Well, and we know that animals release pheromones that affect us in different ways, right? And pheromones that affect other animals. And we know that they have, if you don't believe me, folks, go look at animals and just Google animals that can camouflage. You will be amazed. There are... There are even um, bugs that can make themselves look like a hooded cobra. There are, these things have found ways to adapt and protect themselves. So if they can project that image to birds and other predators, why aren't they able to get into our head? Why aren't they able to project this kind of more frightening image? And because it's a survival technique 
for them. And you're picking up on the pheromone of fear, like the scarecrow from Batman, right? You're picking up on this fear pheromone that it's probably putting out emanating, but it's affecting you in a different way. So something to just consider. And that may be part of what affects us in, you know, we, we know that it's energy, transmutable energy that affects us in haunted locations at alien abduction sites, uh, in encrypted in encounters where and, and I've uh, thought about this often, and you know this, Chad, a lot of people that will be in an encrypted moment, all other sound goes away. They don't hear the crickets chirp. They don't. Is that creature creating a, a bubble to protect itself? Is it is it taking control of the environment? So, boy, we should, you and I got to talk more and we'll go out and start <laughs> investigating together and see if we can't get some more answers on this. I wonder if, uh, if, uh, tribal members would be willing to talk about that element of it, if, if there's something more to it, right. That's why they wore the, the skins, the lion skins, the Buffalo skins to give that projection of, I am the Buffalo. I am the, the herd. I am the big, right. I mean, there, there's that different element to why we take those transmutable, uh, you know, parts of, creatures that we want to be or want to emulate. Yeah. I think it's a whole nother topic, a whole nother show. We could easily do just uh riff. If only I knew that. a show we could do that on. <laughs> well, maybe we'll find one. Deb says, I'm not so sure about the projection theory. Well, we don't need to hear any more of your thoughts on Deb. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> My husband and I have witnessed a flying humanoid in 2005 while driving. In fact, Linda Godfrey was the first person that I mentioned it to. Yeah, she did have a way of bringing people out and, and talking about it. Um, hey, I want to mention, too, you've got a great book, and this is the time of year to to mention this. You've got uh, Winter Legends and Lore, Chad Lewis. The book is out. We have a link for that book on today's program guide as well, so people can find it and order the book. Uh, this is Krampus. This is all the creepy holiday creatures and and mythos surrounding the holiday season, right? Yes, it's the supernatural creatures thrown in with New Year's Eve superstitions or Christmas Eve things you have to do or uh, how to predict if you're going to have a hard winter. So it's kind of this hodgepodge of weird creatures in the darkest days and just folklore of the, the winter season. Well, why don't we do this? Let's get together again here in December, uh, a little bit closer to the holiday. And let's, let's talk about that. Spend 25, 30 minutes talking about the holiday and, uh, and, and I'm going to put this out to you, all of my little darklings around the world. If you've ever had a supernatural encounter around the holidays, we'd love to hear it. If you've seen flying reindeer, if you've seen the jolly old fat elf in your home, because people have, people have seen Santa Claus. They have heard roof hooves on their, or uh, what is it? Hoof beats on their roofs. They've witnessed things out their windows. They've had these strange encounters. Is it wishful thinking or is it projection? Or are there certain elements to these cases that we need to re-examine that maybe there's more life in these old magical elements of history than we've given credit for? So if you've had a weird paranormal story, friends, email me, dave at paranormal60.com. Dave at paranormal60.com. I'll have Chad back and we'll share those stories. We'll we'll talk about the the uh new book that he's got out. Again, we have a link for it on today's program guide, Winter Legends and Lore by Chad Lewis. Before we say goodbye here, Chad, what's a fond memory you have of Linda Godfrey? Oh, so many. Um, when I first met Linda back in 2003, even before either of us had ever done a book, 
before the Beast of Bray Road came out, which was her second book. Um, she in the early days, she would drive around in her car and her car had personalized plates that said, you know, Bray Beast or Beast of Bray. Um, and I remember driving around with her in the car and I thought, that's really cool, Linda. You have these personalized creature plates. And she said, yeah, I'm getting rid of them. And I said, why is that? And she told me, she said, when I first got them, I thought it was cool. This little local legend, fun, people would know it. But she said, the, the legend exploded so much. People are honking at me on the highways, waving. I can't go anywhere. They know it's my car. She's like, I got to get rid of it. So she, in the early days, she had uh, Bray Road plates personalized. And how cool, maybe her husband, Steve, still has them. I'll have to ask him, but. Uh, very cool. And just my overall thing of Linda is the same thing everybody says. How nice and encouraging and caring she was. And that's going to stand out, I think, a lot more than her excellent body of work is the person she was and how friendly and took time with every single person, whether you were well known in the field or somebody just wanting to tell her their story. She was just legitimately nice. I watched that. That's part of my favorite memories. I watched her at places like Michigan Paracon and Chicago Paracon and many of the, the different Midwest uh, areas and just the delight she had in the people that would come talk with her. And there were some of the biggest paranormal personalities at these events, but she gave them the time. She looked them in the eyes as they told their story. She wasn't looking and acknowledging other people. She wasn't checking her phone. Mm -hmm. She was in the moment with everyone that she met. And I think that's why she left such an indelible mark in so many of us. And she was just so charming. And, you know, she always got a kick out of Jeff Belanger and I and our silly antics at these events. And, you know, like you said, she comes across like the, like your sweet little, uh, English teacher, but she had a, a cutting wit and, uh, very funny lady, very sweet lady. She will definitely be missed. Thank you for coming on to help me uh, remember her tonight and share her with our audience, Chad. We appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for doing this. And RIP, Linda. Yeah. And uh, we'll talk to you again, hopefully, in October. All right, Chad? All right, keep or an October, eye out. December, <laughs> October. Yeah, we're, December. we're going back. I'm time traveling. I'm, that's my <laughs> next episode. We'll talk to you in December, and we'll go over the new book. So thanks again for being here, buddy. All right. I hope you guys enjoyed tonight's program, different theories, different topics, different thoughts, the concept of attachments. I hope that this makes you think a little bit more deeply about what you do when you go out and stray from the norm and try to make communication. Wanting to show empathy and compassion for a spirit is one thing. Allowing them to enter you, to work through you is something entirely different. Tonight, Shannon Collins told us her cautionary tale. And although we talked about many different concepts of what it could mean and what could be going on, the fact still remains that it has affected her life. And as she said, sometimes in not positive ways, she has lost a bit of who she was in incorporating in this new being. So please be careful, be aware, pay attention. If you put yourself out into the field to do this, it isn't just a, a fun little hobby. Be careful and make sure that you listen to the people that lead the investigations and do the things to protect yourself and protect the people that you love. And remember, the passing of Linda Godfrey, that nothing is ever guaranteed. Tomorrow is not a promise. It's a gift. And in this holiday spirit and holiday times, whatever belief system, religion, or ideology you ascribe to. Kindness, loving, 
caring and being in the moment is the gift that Linda gave to those that she came into contact with. And I hope that you can spare that for others in your life. And I know that I fail on a regular basis, as many of you do, but maybe in a way to honor our fallen friends, we can start to be more in the minute and more aware of the things that people say when they're there to share with us. Thank you very much to Chad Lewis and Shannon Collins. There are links on tonight's program guide for you to find them, find their work, find their books, and more. Thank you all so much for joining me on my journey. And may the darkness be just a little more light with the information that we shared here. We'll be back again this Friday with the Paranormal News crew. Until then, thank you for tuning in and making my life something to be thankful for. I'm your pal Dave, and this is the Paranormal 60. (laughs) 